0: Buildings entirely crushed and
1: crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. In the opinion of this reporter, if this
0: nation or in fact the world ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, the Redeemable Shag, and as always, I'm teaming up with my partner, Rob Kelly. How you doing, buddy? Happy 2018, Shag. Woo! It's a good year already. Do you know why? Do you know why it's a good year? Uh, Well, I have a couple ideas, but what's yours? Because tonight, maybe even by the time we finish recording this podcast, it's going to freaking snow in Florida. Oh my gosh! that's amazing. I don't know if it's going to snow in my house, but it will definitely snow somewhere probably in the Florida northern uh, panhandle-ish to Jacksonville area of Florida. I'm so freaking excited. It only snows here like once every ten years and it usually doesn't even stick on the ground, but they actually said we might get a whole inch and like a tenth of an inch of ice.
1: It's like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. He really is this excited, folks. Earlier today we were texting back and forth and he was just writing back to me in all caps SNOW! Exclamation mark. And I was like asking him about other things and he was just responding with snow, I'm like, do you have a stroke or something? What's
0: happening? This is huge
1: for us. I'm so
0: excited. You know what else I'm excited about? I'm excited about this episode. Woof. <laughs> Rob <laughs> and transition. I. You like that? Rob, <laughs> Rob had this idea. Usually he has very bad ideas, folks. In fact, if there's ever an episode in our catalog that you didn't in the 207 episodes of the show or whatever that you didn't enjoy, it was probably his idea. Anyway, uh, I should start a
1: podcast with
0: Shag. See, eh? bad idea. Bad idea, right? <laughs> He's been regretting that one for six years. Uh, it's almost what six and a half now. Uh, so the idea was to cover a couple of issues of DC Comics Presents. Now we usually do the whatever happened to segments, but we decided to do some Aquaman and Firestorm issues. We there's a couple we hadn't covered yet. We covered most of them, if not all, but there were two at least that we hadn't touched, and we thought this is the perfect opportunity to touch on both of our favorite characters. Now, before we do that, we probably should take a second to thank our sponsor. Folks, this episode of the Fire and Water podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to forty-two percent off with free shipping for orders of fifty-two to fifty. Easy for me to say, all for forty-two percent off with free shipping for orders of fifty dollars or more. What you got, Rob? I don't even know how I got to this, but I
1: got to it nonetheless. DC superheroes drinking. Yeah, maybe. DC Superheroes My First Dictionary, which is pretty much what it sounds like. It's this little book featuring 400 first words from airplane to Zoom. I guess I means Professor Zoom. Uh, and it features uh, great stock art shots by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Praise be his name. Uh, it features Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, The Flash, and other fan favorites. Read Aquaman. A uh, Fabulous Guide to the First Words and the DC Universe. The classic comic book art runs out this entertaining, educational, great-looking package. Each entry includes an illustration, an example of the word used in a sentence. I actually have this book because, A, I like to brush up on the fundamentals. And secondly, I got it I got it sent to me by the publisher back when I was doing the Alchemist. And it is a really great little book. So if you have a kid in your life that is just starting to read, this is like a great way to get him started because, I mean – who doesn't want to read when it's accompanied by beautiful JLGL artwork? Uh, the normal price is fifteen ninety nine. In stock, trades price $7.99. 50% off DC Superheroes, my first dictionary.
0: Is there anybody we know that has a young child that might need some reading material? I hmm. hmm, don't know. Hmm. Now... I haven't seen this book but I've seen several board books along the same lines. Is this? Does this one include Firestorm? Do you remember off the top of your head? I don't remember. I don't think
1: it. it did but I don't remember. But they really are they, – they go kind of deep character-wise. <clears throat> I remember all these books because they're all put out by the same publisher. Mm-hmm. And they they actually get like you know like like Batgirl and like Supergirl and like Crypto we see Crypto on the cover like they they do more than just like some kind of the first level characters which is one of the things I really liked about it.
0: Okay, well I just where I'm going with this is I've seen some board books at least that had of, of, of a similar style that had Firestorm with art by sock art by Dennis Cowan. So there's a famous, uh, yeah, famous couple of pictures of Firestorm done by Dennis Cohn, uh, which sort of is going to lead into something in a bit. And uh, I thought that might be a good segue, but thanks for blowing that. Well, uh, I have brought, let's see, something related to this episode. I brought Action Heroes Archives Volume 1 hardcover. So this is one of these gorgeous hardcovers. We talked about them in the past, archive editions. These things are like going to out-survive an atomic war. And this one collects... Uh, Charlton Comics featuring Captain Adam. So Space Adventures are number 33 to 42, and Captain Adam number 78 to 82. So if you want chocolatey goodness of Silver Age Captain Adam, done by oh wait, who's that guy? Steve Ditko, I think? Was that his name? That's right. Uh, It's published, again, originally published by Charlton, but DC, of course, picked all that up. So, uh, written by Joe Gill and Steve Ditko. Uh, 224 pages, full color, normally retails for $49.95. Ouch, I know, 50 bucks, but it's 42% off right now. It's so only $28.97 for these awesome classic Silver Age stories of featuring the Silver Age version of Captain Atom, someone we're going to talk a little bit about today. So for these and all your other In Stock Trades needs, I'm sorry, for all your collected edition needs, please visit InStockTrades.com. Now, before we get rolling, a couple things we should probably mention. DC Comics Presents, if you are a fan, and you should be, and if you're not, I don't even know who you are anymore, you should be checking out the DC Comics Presents show by our buddy Russell Bragg. Uh, It's a a podcast. He's going issue-by-issue, indexing all of the DC Comics Presents, so worth checking out. So we didn't discuss this off-air, but uh, I'm assuming we're going with Aquaman first because alphabetical and you're doing a dictionary thing?
1: That's right. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but yes. Uh, yeah, we're going to do uh, DC Comics Presents number 48. Aquaman only made two team-up appearances in DC Comics Presents. We already covered the first one, so this is the second and last one. The uh, The story is H. Arms of Conquest, which is a great, great <laughs> story title, written by Dan Mishkin and Gary Cohn. Of course, two writers you're very familiar with, Shag. Mm -hmm. And drawn by Irv, Novick, and Frank McLaughlin. Aquaman runs afoul of some very hostile octopi and is taken control by them. He later smashes into the lab of a Dr. Marsh, who works at, of course, Star Labs. Because this is a DC Comics Presents story. But But luckily, Superman is there and manages to put Arthur in his place. Superman and Arthur decide to investigate these weird octopi, where after a pitched battle, they discover that these are no ordinary, hostile octopi. They are, in fact, space aliens that crashed into an ocean that, over time, devolved into octopi, still bent on world conquest, though. Superman, of course, has a problem with this, and just as the whole thing starts to heat up, that troublesome Dr. Marsh shows up underwater in a deep sea craft, which is, I guess, courtesy of Star Labs. They have a lot of money uh, laying around. Uh, The battle is a bit of a standstill after Superman gets knocked out. It's at this point Aquaman uses his mental telepathy to take control of Superman... Which is, the, well, this is Like one of the things I remember about the story so, so much. He, ta- he taps into the ancestral part of a human's brain that comes from sea dwellers, and he figures that Kryptonians are built somewhat similar. He takes control of Superman. Aquaman pulls the trick, and it works, using Superman to do the heavy lifting that Arthur can't. They defeat the alien octopi, and Superman finishes the job by transporting the aliens to a habitable water world where they can thrive in peace. Dr. Marsh vows to stay in my lab from now on, and Aquaman cheerfully seconds that, which is probably a good idea. So <laughs> this is a really fun story. And just as a little aside, um, at the time, I had a chance to interview Dan Mishkin about the story because I was so fascinated at the whole idea of Aquaman taking control of Superman because that mm-hmm. was that was still kind of new. It wasn't totally unprecedented, but it was still interesting for a writer to, to kind of put that in one of his stories that Aquaman could take control of humans. So I asked him about it, and I said – you wrote DC Comics Presents number forty-eight with Superman and Aquaman. How did that come about? Did DC come to you and say we want a Superman Aquaman story, or did you have any input to the guest star? Dan said, uh, "This is going to be a pretty long time ago, and my oldest child was born in the middle of scripting the issue, so it started to up a lot of the details. Though I do remember calling Julie from the hospital to explain nervously why the script is going to be late." I think it was probably Julie. <laughs> I think it was probably Julie who chose the guest star in this case. As for how Gary and I got the opportunity, it was kind of a natural progression from having written a lot of one-shot stories for the House of Mystery type books, and then moving up to a superhero book that also had self-contained stories and no regular writer. I think I wrote or co-wrote about half the issues that DC Comics presents during that next year. And then I specifically asked him about the whole bit of Aquaman using his his powers on a, on a you know human. He says, I don't remember any of the details about writing this story, and rereading didn't help, unfortunately. But I do, rem- <laughs> I do remember that Julie was very involved in working out plots with writers, and this would especially be true with writers he was working with for the first time. The important details of the story would have probably been worked out in Julie's office after Gary and I pitched some one-sentence idea. It might not have even been a sentence, but a phrase like, Super octopuses from outer space. And which parts come from me, which from Gary, and which from Julie, I don't think we'll ever know. But Julie was also a big believer in thinking outside the box and coming up with a twist we've never seen before. So he should probably get credit as instigator, even if that particular bit wasn't his. And wow. you know, yeah, it's kind of cool. very it's, generous. Yeah, it really is. And like I said it, it wasn't unprecedented because there's a '70s issue of Justice League where Aquaman uses his powers on Superman to take control of his body. But still, this is 19, this is the early 1980s. Aquaman using his powers on humans in any way was still a pretty novel concept, and that's my favorite. I like the story. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, I like uh, possessed Aquaman trying to beat up Superman. That's really cool. But but <laughs> but Aquaman using his powers to take over the Man of Steel, like, that has such amazing implications that I just – it it's, remains like one of my favorite moments in early Aquaman lore.
0: Well, it makes a perfect segue in to a couple years later with Justice League Detroit, him taking control right. of Vibe. Yep. You know, It's perfect there. Steel, steel. Hey, what's that? Steel, not Vibe. Oh really? With steel? Oh, jeez, yeah. see yeah, That's how long it's been since I've read this. Okay. He should have taken. Uh, should have taken control of Vibe. That would have been much better. <laughs> Aquaman can make him do better dance moves. Exactly. So what it reminded me of, because I didn't even think about the the Aquaman side of it. I was thinking more. It reminded me of that issue of uh, DC. I want to say it's Brave and the Bold. They covered it on an ish, episode of FW Team Up with Ciscoy, where the Atom took control of Batman's body.
1: Oh right, right. He went inside his. Yes, yeah, yeah. He did that it wasn't telepathy the or
0: anything, but same kind of idea is where one jla layer is controlling the yes. body of another JL Air.
1: Yeah, that so was a real, that was a real uh, fantastic voyage kind of thing, going inside these mm-hmm. corpuscles and all that stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. So you, you you didn't come right out and say it. So I'll tell the people at home if they don't know, Michigan and Cohen uh, were the guys who created Blue Devil. Right. and really, really fantastic run on that series, obviously. I've had a chance to interview them. I talked to both of them about Blue Devil and Amethyst, and really great guys. Dan and I have stayed in touch over the years, and Gary and I have stayed in touch over the years. Really, really fantastic guys, and man, I would just, I'd love to see some new stuff from them. And who knows, we might someday, if they ever get the new Devil book off the ground, so...
1: Is that a potential thing in the offing?
0: It is. Well, you, uh, they've released a lot of stock art on it uh, with Paris Collins drawing it. I, I think it might just be Gary. Maybe, I'm not sure that uh, Dan Dan's involved or not. Okay. But it's uh, Paris Collins drawing and Gary Cohn writing. It's uh, You see a lot of stock art. They or Not stock art, but like promo art they put together called New Devil. So mm. cool. It's pretty cool. It's a different character. It's their own idea. But still, you know, it, it's the same sort of fun. That'd be cool. Yeah. We're gonna to have to revisit this issue at some point down the line because it's the very last whatever happened to, right? That we haven't done yet. Yeah, we are gonna we are gonna
1: close out the uh, w- close out the whatever happened to segments, and this issue features the whatever happened to the Black Pirate, which is the last segment of uh, those awesome backups. So yeah, we will be yeah
0: we will be giving this uh, issue a second go around. It was confusing the heck out of me because I was flipping through. I'm like, I don't remember us covering this one. No, I not. know there's one left. I was thinking it was Starman or something. I don't know. I was like, I, I, I know we – why don't I recognize this? It was bugging me, and then I realized, yep. oh, dear, this is the one. Yep. So, yep. All right, so I have some questions about the story here. First off, um, in your recap, you, you didn't mention Dr. Jeanette Clyburn? I, I know. Mean,
1: I was about to say what? I should have mentioned that Jeanette Clyburn is in this. Who I have to say just two issues later when DC Comics Presents Number 50 came out and they did that pinup. Which was like a pinup of all the people that appeared with Superman. Jenna Except, Cli- Except Aquaman, yes. Uh, <laughs> Jenna Clyburn should have been included because she was in like virtually every issue of DC Comics for since.
0: I, I got to think everyone was in love with her, just like we were. So it's, and that makes perfect sense. Gorgeous redhead. She's so beautiful. all right, octopus, octopi. Is this comic saying that every single octopi on Earth is an alien? No, I don't think they're saying that. That's how I read it. That's how our, that that's where the Earth's octopi came from. Was these aliens that came to Earth? Devox was like millions of years ago, right? Yeah. So they they I would assume they bred and had more, and that's where all the octopi in the well, world. Well, it came doesn't from. have to be it doesn't have to be all the octopi. It can be a lot of them, but not all. Why does it have to be all? Okay, so then does that mean these same eight octopi or whatever have been alive for millions of years and they re evolved?
1: They're space aliens. Why not? <laughs>
0: It's very confusing to me I (laughs) I, I, I spent a lot of time trying to figure this out Whether these were the descendants of the original aliens These are the original aliens Or all octopi are the aliens I think all octopi on Earth are the aliens I think that's uh, what they're telling us All
1: right. I think if you're worried about the scientific principles of the space octopi story You might be missing the forest for the trees there, Shag But, okay (laughs) Can I say, I do want to mention I love Dr. Marsh's submersible That he's got Because it's like, you know Star Labs just has so much money lying around That they make this stuff
0: well, the first thing I thought when I saw that was like that would be a kick-ass superpowers toy.
1: Oh, it looks great! It looks great, doesn't it? It looks—it looks exactly cool. like
0: a superpowers toy.
1: Yeah,
0: it has got the giant bubble and everything. I mean, yeah. it's perfect for putting an action figure in there. Yep. It really yep. works.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Um, I got a couple notes, a couple notes left. Uh, the cover didn't do a lot for me. Um, it's not terrible, but it's like you know, Superman and Batman, or Superman and Aquaman on each side with octopus. Like, maybe a little a little more jeopardy might be a good idea. Maybe I don't know. Uh, well, page it, does fi- ma-
1: it does mention that the octopus is not listening to Aquaman's commands, which is kind of like, what? So, oh, we
0: should mention it's drawn by Gil Kane and Frank Giacoa, by the way. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I will say interior-wise, page 15, there is this incredible shot. Uh, I love it. It's a very different for look for Aquaman. It's page 15, bottom right-hand corner, where Aquaman is really stressing, and he's trying to figure out if he can control Superman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just his, his furrowed eye, uh, furrowed brow, and his eyes and his gritted teeth. I just it, well, it doesn't look exactly like the traditional Aquaman we see. I love the drawing of it. I, I it feels like Aquaman. It just I don't know. It, I like the artistry of it. It really stuck with me.
1: I like Irv Novik, Irv Novik is one of those guys that I didn't appreciate as much when I was a kid. I, I liked him just fine. But I, you know, I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is fine. But now I, I've seen it more and more. I'm like, eh, it's actually, it's really distinctive and kind of interesting. And McLaughlin, of course, the great Frank McLaughlin. Well, uh, right. W- it was a great form. I like his sort of thick line. So him and Novak, I think, come off with a, a, an attractive package. But Novak was great, kind of along with Jim Aparo at drawing, like, really angry guys. Like, he was great at those angry <laughs> faces. And you're talking about that Aquaman face. Yep. He's very much like that. He's like, like He's just really, <laughs> really frustrated. And you can even see an, another version of that on the splash. Page where Superman has got his X-ray vision, and even his, his teeth are gritted as he's using. He's like, Arr! he just. Irv, Irv Novik loved drawing guys that looked like that. I guess if well, you're drawing Batman for that many years, you get used to it.
0: Right. Well, I love that you mentioned the Superman. One. I didn't mention. I, I, had, I didn't write in my notes, but that, that little inset shot of Superman, like it, I looked at him, I was like, is that JLGL? It looks so good. <laughs> of Superman, just, you know, looks great. All in all, it's a fun issue. Uh, Novick you're right. He. I, see if I compare him to. Um, Alex Saviak, we're going to get a nasty email from Frank. But I think both of them are great, reliable artists, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, in this case, you got Frank McLaughlin, so all the backgrounds didn't get erased by Coletta, uh, like like it would happen to Saviak. But it looks great. I, I really enjoyed this issue. It was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, and I liked seeing Superman and Aquaman get to fight, even briefly. Now, it's Aquaman's possessed. Uh, and I love that when he gets the one shot in at Superman, he's like, "Stand in of my way, swock! <laughs> and Superman starts rubbing his temple, and he's like, "Whew!" Evidently, that glow has not only caused him to take leave of his senses; it's also given him tremendous strength. I love that. It's like he's kind of like, this "The only way Aquaman could ever get a shot in on me is if he's possessed <laughs> by aliens."
0: Well, now in the the post uh, Rebirth universe, you know, that's that's how powerful Aquaman is that's nowadays. Right? So. Yeah,
1: they've really ramped up his uh, his strength. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love it. So. But uh, I, and I do like the way the octopuses are drawn. The sort of you know the, with the giant eye, they, they look like Disney Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea.
1: Uh, yes, the yes, I'm a sucker for those. That's one of my favorite movies right. of all time. So any any story about giant squids like attacking things, I'm gonna kind of like you know I'm gonna like it a little more than I normally would just because it's it's cool. And I I like the ending. Aquaman gets the final scene. We see well, I mean Suman's in the background lifting the ship up, but it ends kind of like almost like a. Uh, a power record in some ways, where it's like Superman just carts off the aliens to another planet, and Aquaman's like, "Well, took care of that. It was
0: great." Kind of thing at the end, that right? Stuff, yeah. All right, super fun. Loved it. Well done. Glad you picked it. Awesome. All right, on to the next one, folks. This is with that guy whose head's on fire. This is DC Comics presents. Although you can't, you can barely tell because they changed the cover logo. DC Comics Presents number 90 featuring Superman, Firestorm the Nuclear Man, and Captain Atom. It's a threefer. So, let's see. Uh, Now, well, I'll get into it, I guess, later. So, let's get it. I'm all over the place, (laughs) folks.
1: I want want to talk about the cover. Finish the sentence at some point here,
0: Shane. We will talk about the cover. All right, there's something interior I want to talk about that's important about the release date, but I guess we'll do it in the commentary. The cover is by Dennis Cohen and... uh, Smith, I think I it's Bob it
1: Smith, I believe.
0: Okay, and so you got first, you got Superman in the middle. First, I'm off to his right. Captain I'm on the left, carrying uh, a female astronaut, and in the background, you got uh, the the main antagonist of the story. But looking at the masthead, the masthead's very different. I don't remember, maybe DC Comics Presents around this time had this sort of masthead, but I didn't read a lot of the later issues. It's very busy. It's a uh, DC Comics Presents Superman, and then the Firestorm logo's on fire, and Captain Adam's got the nuclear symbol, so it takes up a lot of the, you know, almost a quarter of the top half. The background, I do like, is so all in one color, sort of a surprint. It looks almost like Pariah from Crisis, you know? It's yeah. Um, well, when I was a kid, uh, I bought this. This, is, this came out about right about the same time as Crisis 11. I thought that was Pariah when I bought it. You know, I was going to buy it anyway because it's Firestorm. And I was like, oh, look, prize in this. Okay. And Firestorm's hair is going bananas. It's just like a a volcano going on there. And uh, other than that, it looks pretty good. Strong cover. Superman's maybe – okay, maybe – okay, it's not a great cover. But uh, what do you think of the cover? I actually really like it. I'm really? Ready to do. Okay, yeah. save my spiraling descent into unhappiness. Go ahead. Well, first
1: of all, this is the first issue featuring the new trade dress, as you mentioned. And it's interesting how much they do, they bury the DC Comics Presents because they have the DC Bullet and then a tiny little type Comics Presents. And then it's these giant looks Superman, Firestorm, Captain Atom. It is a little busy, but I don't know. I just kind of like it. and it, it, I, I liked it. I, I didn't like it more than the banner, the flowing banner thing that they mm-hmm. had. But I don't know. It's distinctive. It's cool. I don't know. I just think this is a, a captivating image. I like the monochromatic surprint. I like. I've always liked Dennis Cowan's stuff anyway. But uh, I think it has a lot of movement to it because they're clearly kind of being, I guess, sucked into the giant face because it looks like they're they're trying to get away. And the the way the like firestorm's flame hair is pointing towards the guy, so I guess the wind is pushing them back. So I don't know. I just think it's a. I think it's a good image. I like it a lot.
0: We'll leave it at that. Perfect. All right, thank you. Uh, let's see. So writer Paul Coverberg, penciler, Dennis Cohen, Inker Dave Hunt, letter Albert Tobias de Guzmán. That's a lot. And colors Jean D'Angelo. Now I will freely admit I stole this recap from Comics Vine. I, I was going to steal it from our buddy uh, Jay Jones. I was going to steal it from Splitting Adam's blog, but boy, that boy can type. He wrote a really long synopsis, which is great. You should check out his Splitting Adam's blog. It's fantastic for recapping Captain Adam appearances. But I need something a little shorter for our purposes. So, stole this from Comics Vine. Thank you, Comics Vine. All right, Captain Nathaniel Adam oversees the launch of the space shuttle Atlantis while he's flirting with Commander Connie Matthews, who, by the way, is my mother uh, from the mission control room on hand to watch the launch are Ronald Raymond and Rick Matthews, my brother, the, and who also happens to be the brother of Commander Connie Matthews, who's the pilot of the Atlantic shuttle. As soon as the shuttle attained orbit, a radiation surge blacks out its power. With Atlantis in jeopardy, Raymond excuses himself to make the switch to Firestorm. Similarly, Adam exits the mission control room to adopt his guise as Captain Adam. Now, en in route into orbit, we get a recap of the Silver Age, Captain Adam's origin. Uh, then, and when he arrives at the shuttle, Captain Adam detects Firestorm's approach. Not immediately recognizing our, our, our favorite nuclear man, Captain Adam fires upon him. Firestorm parries Captain Adam's nuclear blast with one of his own. Once the confusion between the two men have cleared up, each tries use their respective energy powers to jumpstart the Atlantis. Inexplicably, each man's power fades before they can reach Atlantis. On board Atlantis, the crew are suddenly accosted by a bizarre stowaway, calling himself Rayburn, and the strange man seems to fixate on Commander Connie Matthews. He's looking at my mom in a funny way, and I'm not happy with it. So both Firestorm and Captain Atom detect unusually high radiation readings emanating from Atlantis. Leaving Captain Atom in orbit, Firestorm decides he needs to bring in a pro and heads down to Metropolis to get Superman. He converts the air molecules in the skies above Metropolis into this giant confetti replica of Superman's S-shield. After Superman comes up there and explains the situation, Firestorm and Superman head for Atlantis. Now, unseen by Captain Atom, this guy Rayburn has phased through Atlantis, with Commander Matthews in his arms, and heads down to Earth. The Bastage stole my mom. Uh, Captain Adam and Superman then board the Atlantis, discovering Matthew's abduction. While Superman carries the Atlantis back down to Earth because he's a boss, Captain Adam heads back to Earth to rendezvous with Firestorm. Uh, Firestorm encounters Rayburn, and his powers cut out, and he begins to plummet to the Earth. Captain Adam catches Firestorm, but suddenly suffers the same power loss, uh, and they descend to the ground. Superman discovers both men unconscious, and he uses this quick thing with his X-ray vision and reveals that the atomic energies that fuel both of the nuclear men are not compatible. So close proximity to one another could result in fatality. So Superman separates Firestorm by several, uh, and Captain America by several hundred yards, and then Rayburn takes Commander Matthews to a nuclear reactor in Denver, Colorado, because you know that's where you go on a first date. Rayburn's presence somehow initiates a meltdown of the reactor, and Rayburn resolves the crisis by destroying the core. Firestorm reconstitutes the shattered fragments of the core into restraints for Rayburn, and the restraints fail to hold Rayburn for more than a few seconds. and He's angered by this, so Rayburn beats the living crap out of Firestorm. Firestorm uses his nuclear restructuring powers to transform a fire hydrant into a cannon, because we love transmutation. Rayburn is undaunted by the attack and presses the advantage over Firestorm. Captain Adam joins the fight, but doesn't fare any better than Firestorm. Rayburn's powers launch uh, every manhole cover up into the air, simply from Rayburn having touched the ground. So things are going crazy. Captain Adam vaporizes all these flying projectiles, these manhole covers, and Rayburn again grabs Commander Matthews and takes off. Superman and Firestorm intercept them While Firestorm and Captain Adam occupy Rayburn, Superman heads off to confirm a hunch. He just takes off in the middle of the fight. Uh, When Superman returns, he reveals that Rayburn is actually, of course, Star Labs, because it's DC Comics Presents. He's a Star Labs scientist named Sam Rayburn. He got exposed to deadly levels of radiation, and and he didn't get cool superpowers and become a cool superhero. Instead, they had to force him into isolation and for the safety of others. And the loneliness, loneliness ate away at Rayburn until the day his powers manifested, and he escaped confinement, being kind of Bad shit, crazy. So the truth's revealed to him. Rayburn ceases all hostilities and his powers begin to consume him. Rayburn absorbs the very radiation he's emitting to protect Colonel uh, Connie Matthews, but Rayburn dies, vaporized by his own power. The three heroes go their separate ways, and Captain Adam returns Commander Matthews to Houston. There we go. All right, what'd you think of this one, buddy? Uh, it's a little busy.
1: There's okay. like a lot of stuff going on. Like the the final page, a lot ha- like the whole story concludes in one giant panel where there's the explosion, and then everybody sort of sums up in parts, it's all in one page. <laughs> you know, it was a little like, okay, we're done. That we defeated. He blew himself. Off. Okay, bye, Superman. Um, right. And I don't know if it needed Captain Act Captain Action. That would have been a cool team up. I don't know if it needed Captain Adam and Firestorm. Like I think it would have been fine with Superman and Firestorm, or Superman and Captain Adam, but maybe not all three necessarily. Uh, I would have preferred Superman and Firestorm, I'm not just sucking up, because I don't need to do that. But I mean, I, <laughs> I, I think they're a fun pair. Like, I like when Firestorm, introduce, you, Firestorm meets Superman, and he's floating in the cloud and stuff. He's got that, he, he carries himself with that cockiness, even though he's around Superman, which I, I enjoy. So to me, Captain Adam is kind of the part. I'm like, eh, did he need to really be here? But, you know, other, otherwise, it was fine.
0: Interesting. I I agree with everything you just said. However, I feel that it's really Captain Adam's adventure. It's almost like they don't need anyone except Captain Adam. Um, There's so little Superman in this book. I really get the feeling that Paul Kupperberg just wanted to write a Captain Adam story. Uh, that's what it feels like. And, and I'm, it's not a knock, but it's just, it, you know, the, the space shuttle, the NASA program, uh, the atomic stuff, it all just seemed themed quite well with Captain Adam and it, Superman barely in it. And Firestorm, he does have some stuff to do. And by this point, Paul Kupperberg had written some Firestorm issues as well, but it just, to me at the end of the day, it felt like it was an excuse to write Captain Adam and that's fine. I mean, he, this was a, this pro, other than Crisis, this is really Captain Adam's very first appearance in the DC universe, right?
1: I think so, because he's still wearing his old his Charlton uniform. Yeah. So, yeah, I
0: think you're right. In fact, if you take it a step further, this issue doesn't make any sense in the post uh, Crisis universe, because it, it, it can't. All so here's the details of it it came out about the same time as Crisis on Infinite Earth number 11. Right, so sorry, spoiler for crisis, folks. In issue 10, all the multiverse was collapsed down to one world, right? What we call the post crisis universe. So, post crisis is everything from issue 10 on. So, at this point, it is a post crisis universe. In fact, Captain Adam and Firestorm exist on the same Earth at this point, so it's definitely post crisis. However, this version of Captain Adam is really still the Silver Age version. So a year later, you get the whole reboot where they rebooted Captain Atom completely. So this version never could have happened. It basically was written out of continuity a year later. Hmm. Wow. Well, oh, jeez. <laughs> I know. Crazy nerds. <laughs> so, all right. My biggest issue with this thing is is the ending. Is Like you said, it all resolves on one page. And actually, it resolves without anything from the heroes at all. Other than Superman right. telling this guy who he is. No one needed to be there. His yeah, powers eat themselves. They didn't that's do anything.
1: True. That's true. They're kind of just wa- watching all this. Oh, look at that. Oh, that's interesting. That was weird. All right. Anyway, back to the satellite.
0: Yeah, it's, it's sort of like once uh, someone pointed out Raiders of the Lost Ark would have happened exactly the same without Indiana Jones. Oh, it's don't like, even it's get that, me started on that. Well, I know, but you've heard that theory, right? I have, yes, yes. It's, it's sort of the same thing. It's like once you hear that, you're like, oh, yeah, our boys didn't even need to be there. Okay, well, that's nice. <laughs> I liked the stuff with Captain Adam flirting with uh, Commander Matthews. Um, it made me feel a little awkward. You know, I'm not sure how my dad felt about it. You know, but whatever. Um, she's hot. You know, and she's my mom, so that's cool. Wow. Then, wow, gotta say it. Then Captain Adam recap. I thought that was nice. I liked to see the the classic Silver Age Captain Adam recap. That was cool. Well, well done. Nice to see Dennis Cohen. You know, illustrating it. No Firestorm recap. Thank you very much. But it was nice to see the Captain Adam version. What do you What do you think of the Dennis Cohen art?
1: I don't think this is a great combination. I'm a big fan of Dennis Cowan's artwork. I really like it, but I don't think Dave Hunt is a great inker for him. And I think Dave Hunt's a good inker, but I don't think they're a good combination because Cohen is very scratchy and kind of a Bill Sienkiewicz, Kyle Baker. Mm -hmm. And Dave Hunt is very smooth and very – like he was a good inker for Kurt Swan and stuff like that. So I think they're a weird combination. That doesn't – it didn't really – I mean I could see why you'd put Dave Hunt on this. Maybe you think Dennis Cowan was a little too out there. For DC Comics Presents and so maybe they want to kind of like rein them in and make it a little more standard looking but I don't know. To me, it's just, it's just kind of a little bit of a strange combo.
0: I, I didn't know that about Dave Hunt, but I did see the same thing. Like, like where is Cohen's scratchiness? I did wonder about that. Yeah. And, I, and I did mention Dennis Cohen earlier in the episode because I wanted to point out, yes, there's some there's very famous stock art of Firestorm flying. You can Most of the T-shirts you find with like a classic Firestorm on it, that's the piece of art you see. Uh, for years, they only made this black T-shirt with Firestorm shooting a blast and his hair flying up. And that was a Dennis Cohen piece of art. In fact, I think it was Paul Kupperberg that identified it for us years ago. Rob, you and I were trying to figure out who the artist was, and I think it was him who figured it out for us. And you—he's <laughs> good you at can, that. Well, and you can really see it in this issue. Like, if you think about that stock art piece of Firestorm, and you look at Firestorm in this issue, in the, especially in the hair, the way it comes out of like the Bunsen murner headpiece, it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is definitely Dennis Cowan, and that is definitely a Dennis Cowan stock art piece. Like, okay, yeah, I get it. So that was kind of nice to to see the, the connective tissue there. Um, let's see what else.
1: I like when Captain Adam and Firestorm are laying in the park, unconscious, and Firestorm's hair is just setting fire to the grass, but it doesn't cause any more trouble than that.
0: Oh my gosh, I didn't even see that! Oh, that's fantastic! <laughs> like, somebody That's a, awesome. I guess
1: Superman <laughs> put it out, we just didn't notice it.
0: Right, well, you know, he's Superman, he's, you know, they, they again, he could do this whole thing without them, probably, yes. so... Because really, his is the only piece of information that was helpful, which was uh, telling Clyburn who he really was. But really, I mean, I guess that's about the gist of it. You know, again, it was it was fun, um, but it wasn't exceptional. I mean, I remember reading it when I was fourteen, and I was like, "Huh, that wasn't what I expected." Because again, I was thinking a crisis team up, especially with three big heroes who are all featured in Crisis at this point, with you know, with Pariah on the cover, um, and in the end, you get this you know, uh, what, what's the guy's name? Rayburn, who goes nowhere and disappears never to be seen again. It's like, eh. So I was disappointed when I read this in 14. And today, I'm, I'm like, it's okay. But I would have rather read the other DC Comics Presents. You know, all Because if, if you look back historically, all the DC Comics Presents, all the Brave and the Bold, all the backups, every appearance of Firestorm outside of his own book, were all done by Jerry Conway. He did oh, all that okay. kind of stuff. Uh, this is one of the only... Team Up stories ever done about Firestorm back in the day that wasn't written by Conway. So, and, and you can feel it, you know.
1: I do appreciate, on a separate note, that uh, DC Comics presents which was which would be canceled seven issues later. Uh, kind of went out on a bunch of odd notes, like they decided like this issue is probably like the last of the big name characters in terms of Firestorm, because after this, the Team Ups were like Superman and the Elastic Four. Uh, Superman and Vigilante, Superman and the Phantom Zone villains, Superman and Lady Quark, Pariah and Harbinger. Like, they, Yeah, they really did not, you know, they, they. I guess they just figured, don't worry about sales, the book's canceled anyway, let's just do some weird team-ups, which I kind of appreciate. I like the off-brand team-ups sometimes.
0: Who's the Elastic Four?
1: It was uh, Plastic Man... Elastic Lad, Elongated Man, and I think the villain. I forget who the villain was, but there's like a fourth stretchy guy in that one. And The cover's by Jim Starlin. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I bought this book up until the very... I used to really like DC Comics Presents. I thought it was a fun book. I mean, it was... I think they had to get more... I don't want to say imaginative because that's not right, but they had to get a little wilder with the team ups because I think it's harder to write a Superman team up because what the hell is Vigilante going to add to any adventure that <laughs> Superman can't accomplish? Batman, right. it's a little bit different, so I sort of liked that. Like uh, Siskoid and Chris covered the Superman Santa Claus team up from DC Comics Presents mm-hmm. over Christmas, and like they had to, do, and they of course he met He Man at one yep. point, which was also written by Paul Copperberg. So I, I used to really like this book. I think it's a fun, fun title.
0: It's funny, I mean, it was my, uh, you know, my my Marvel book, team up book was Marvel team up. Uh, But this was DC Comics Presents was my choice over Brave and the Bold. So yeah, always enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, I think that's gonna do it. Kind of short, brief to the point, fun, and uh, something we find our joy in. There we go.
1: Yeah, we wanted to close out DC Comics Presents because uh, this is Firestorm's list appearance in the book, and number 48 was Aquaman's list appearance in the book, which is, like, uh, he, didn't, he didn't come back for... <laughs> number 48, he was done. The book still had 50 more issues to go. Uh, but yeah, we've been trying to go through all the classic appearances here and there, and I just realized that we still had two team-ups left to cover just from DC Comics Presents, so I thought why not kick off 2018 with some fun, old-timey comics?
0: You know what we should do? We should uh, next time since we don't have any more of those, we should do a Secret Origins. We should do the Firestorm and Aquaman stories from Secret Origins. That'd be great. Yeah, I mean why not? Sure. Yeah. I'll get on to writing one. <laughs> I think Firestorm was an issue four, is that right? Yeah, it's pretty early in there. Kind of a headliner. <laughs> yeah, Aquaman wait, uh fifty issues, a <laughs> hundred and twenty story Wow, really? Huh? That's weird. Okay. Oh, well. Is that how you wanted to start the year, Shag? Really? Well, is it wasn't... All right, to be fair, wasn't Legend of Aquaman it always intended yes. to be a Secret Origins special? Yes,
1: yes. Th- that's basically Secret Origins.
0: We, yeah. we covered I lo- all I love- this on Ryan's show. Yes. I love that story, though. Legend of Aquaman. I like it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be sort of like a role reversal from today. Anyway, folks, uh, why don't you head out to our website, which is what, Rob? Fireandwaterpodcast.com and on Twitter, we're at, F- at uh, FWPodcasts out there, we will have a gallery post where we'll post some of the fun images from these issues out there. You'll be able to see some of that, so if you don't have those copies, you can't dig them up, and DC doesn't have an unlimited app, damn it, you can go check those out there. And then head over to the post with the mp3 file, and please, please leave your comments. We want to hear your thoughts on TC Comics Presents. We know lots of you guys love them. We've heard, every time we cover DC Comics Presents, we hear from somebody who tells us it was absolutely their jam. I love hearing those stories, so please let us know your thoughts on the issues, and, you know, on the stories themselves, too. And Rob's, you know, maybe some suggestions for Rob how he should dress in 2018 because i mean people are talking but <laughs> Where the anyway, hell did that comes I, I i've been trying to figure out how to bring it up all night man i mean it's it's all over the message boards but anyway really all have right to so, so again, Skype camera off facebook twitter Uh, the interwebs, all those places, folks. Find us, tag us, let us know how you're doing, let us know what you're thinking about, tell us what you're finding your joy in, and tell us what your favorite Firestorm and Aquaman team-ups are. Uh, Until then, I guess uh, there's nothing left to say, but fan the flame. And ride the wave. Aquaman and Firestorm Fighting crime together Soak them down Or burn them up No one does it better Whenever you find trouble Their hair, they stand for truth and justice and see a land in there. Aquaman and firestorm, they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm super friends forever. Yeah.
1: You know. If I could just get past this first lift, the rest would be a breeze. I know it. I'm telling you, Charles. Charles. Charles, hold on.
0: Wait a minute. Wait one second. I think I'm onto something here.
1: This is pure snow. It's everywhere.